Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Hey, and welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Podcast number, hard to believe, but it's 40. That's right, and we're in uh, 2018. My name is Bill Cox, coming from the Man Up uh, uh, Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. And if you're not familiar with uh, Texas, United States, or even a globe, but uh, we are outside of Houston on the southwest side, and this is the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship. We have a podcast where we go over a lesson that we've talked through uh, in, our, in our adult Bible fellowship. Um, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And we have a great panel discussion. And we're going to invite you to join in. And we're on iTunes, we're also available on SoundCloud. And we have a Man Up uh, Facebook page. So if you have any questions, you can always post them on this Man Dash Up. And our panel tonight is, he is a trainer at a Fortune Five, what, 500 or is it Fortune 100? We're Fort- actually Fortune 100. Fortune 100. We had, acu- we, we had an acquisition the other day. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is the professor. He is Robert Koshu, and he's here today. And he is a prosecutor and attorney. So if you get busted in the city of Houston, the book will be thrown at you by none other than Mr. Michael Cropper. And our favorite policy writer, he's recovering from. An accident in his home, but he's also a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is also here with us. My name is Bill Cox, and we are in a uh, book called Connect 360. We're going through the lessons on going viral, the birth and the advance of the church. We're in the lesson 11. We have one more lesson to go. And this focal texts are Acts uh, 17, 10 through 12, and also 16 through 54. And what this is about, this is crossing cultural context with the gospel. And before we get into the lesson, I'd like to give you guys out there listening a little bit of cheat sheets. And what I want to do is I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to have the panelists talk a little bit about their impression of the lesson. Of course, they'll give you a little bit of a description because we've all studied this in depth before. Then I will read the passage and then we'll open it up for discussion once again. And we're going to start out with Mr. Steve Titch. Okay, I'll, I'll develop these ideas but I'll, as, as we talk. But <coughs> the, the main impression is that Paul adapts his, his pitch, his, his, uh, his preaching. Uh, to the audience he has at hand, and and here uh, we see him in Athens. We, I think I think in the beginning we see him a bit uh, uh, before he gets there. But um, he's I, I'm correct now. He's he's in Athens, and he meets with uh, not with the Jews he normally meets with when he arrives at a destination, but with the uh, the philosophers and. Urban sophisticates of Athens, right, right, right. The um, noble people, absolutely. And and, and he, but the key thing is that he does adapt his uh, 
he, he does adapt his, his preaching, his presentation of the gospel to this group. Excellent. And Michael Krepper. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, everyone. It's uh, great to be here, especially with these gentlemen. Um, talk a little bit about the lesson. Uh, uh, what is profound to me about the lesson is we look at the one prior to it where Paul and Silas get thrown into jail and get beaten and, and they sing praises and keep their, their composure in serving the Lord after they've been beaten up and we see a jailer saved. We see a lot of things happen to them. Then they're released from that. And I believe that's in, in uh, uh, Philippi. And then they go to Thessalonica where they are now. And Paul doesn't skip a beat. It doesn't bother him a bit that he's been beaten. It's probably his life has been threatened. Everything like that. He's ready to go 100% again. He's recharged. They take him to another city. And it's just like the previous incident never happened. He's ready to go 100% again. And I'm just amazed at that. So when we get into the, the text of it, uh, I, I just love how he presents what Steve has already spoken about. And that's simply he's going he's gonna to become a philosopher for Jesus Christ. Excellent. Isn't Professor Koshu. Um, I'm really impressed with the way he approaches this. And who better than Paul? the Jew of the Jews, is how he defined himself, to take a Jewish message, twist and turn it completely into a Greek philosophical message, and at the same time, not compromise any of the message. And, and the second part is, the, is I think where we're going to have some real interesting discussion and application because one of the challenges Christianity is facing at this moment is we are under great pressure to modify our message that, oh, that's just the way it is in the culture and we just have to accept right. it as Christians. Right. And Paul gives us an example here of a way to take our message, put it out there, and not compromise the core of that message. And I think that's where this lesson, really where the rubber hits the road more or less. Excellent. That. Uh, good points. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, go through and read the scripture real quick. And then we'll get uh, deep into our discussion. Acts 7, 3, 17, 10 through 12, and then 16 through 34. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of a more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And now to 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of, <clears throat> of the Areopagus, where they said to him, 
may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skills. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, and now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Diocesus, a member of Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. In my uh, fairly unsuccessful entertainment career, <laughs> um, I have done, I, I trained and did, uh, in addition to acting and, and writing and stuff, uh, some stand-up comedy. And I did comedy in downtown Houston, and then I'd also do it in some of the clubs that were in the outer suburbs. And it is amazing. You can have the same material, and it will kill in one place, and you'll have crickets in the next place. People just don't identify with that. What hurt me is the fact that I was just telling jokes. I wasn't presenting material that I necessarily believed in. I wrote this stuff just because I wanted to be funny. It wasn't about me or about a philosophy. But it does take a certain type of dexterity to be able to identify the crowd that you're dealing with. And I think salesmen are better than anybody else because that's what they do for a living. They're able to tailor their presentation if they're successful salesmen to well, the interesting audience. Interesting what you said because didn't yeah. Paul start off getting getting a little bit of idea of the, of the type of people he's dealing with before he went to Areopagus, the Areopagus, right? Yeah. Right. He started yeah. talking with them mm -hmm. and started communicating with them so he got a feel of what 
what their right. character mm -hmm. was and how they believed in everything, well, right? And Which is what you're saying. Right. The Aragapovas was really, think the New York Stock Exchange with the bazaar in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's really what the Aragapovas was. It was the economic social center of the city. Mm -hmm. And they would come there and you would have these philosophical debates between in particular here it mentioned the Epicureans and the Stoicisms, mm -hmm. and two wildly divergent groups of philosophers as right. far as how they approached life. And so they would have debate, and, and what I think is funny is they probably disagreed on pretty much everything, wouldn't you agree, Steve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, but boy, agree. when Paul came up, they agreed on one thing. Who's <laughs> this babbler? And, and the Greek right. there kind of, uh, I looked it up real quick, it kind of leads to the the idea of who's this guy talking about scraps? Scraps, mm -hmm. you know. And think about it: you're in a sales market area, you know. And who's this guy picking up the scraps? Basically, was the idea, right? You know. And they they came together pretty quickly, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That we got to get rid of this guy as we're going through. Well, I thought I got the impression though that they were they were more open because. They would go back and they would study what he said to see if after they, he after ap he engaged them after he engaged them. But at first, they viewed him as a as a big competitor. Well, they they do say they do seem open to me. They yeah. they're bringing they kind of are a little negative. What are they talking about? And and they say we're bringing you're bringing some strange ideas, but we want to know what they mean. So maybe they're right. at the same time skeptical and examining right. him. But they give him an opening, and and that was probably because you're in Athens, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, the Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. It's the place where we're going to have the great debates, <laughs> and we're going to have the long conversations, and then we're going to sit and examine it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I get I get the idea that this is the major league. Now, if you're a false prophet, you come in there. And that's where you get blown out of the water. Oh, uh, yeah. This is the, a, a great comparison here would be how many of you guys have ever dealt with a bad salesman? Oh, yeah. yes. On something you knew about. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like I'll get these guys that will call us up and they'll want to talk to me about financial investments. Right. And, and I kind of chuckle and let them go. Just because I view it as slightly entertaining <laughs> for me, right. you know, because then I'll start asking a question here, a question there, and then I just blow them out of the water. Right. And and that's exactly what would happen to a false prophet in this city. Yeah, you know, right. they 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 these guys might have even strung him along a little bit, and right. then when Paul could keep up with them, I think they were shocked. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they saw the old Socratic method and kind yes. of yes, yes, and yes, and yet until they hang themselves, they're all, yeah. Which is what rhetoric, which is um, really what he did, and uh, so, but but we do learn, we do learn some things the way, the way Paul enters the situation, and and Mike was saying he did a little research. He's you know he put his ear to the ground, checked out the marketplace before rushing into the Arapagus. And and he disarms his audience completely. That's right. right. He comes oh, in and says, absolutely. "Hey, I'm walking around. No, what a great place this is. I just saw absolutely. your nice temple." Um, and and he compliments them. He says, hey, yes. "You know, yes, you're a you're. I see all your temples. You're a 
religious people, and I'm sure he's going, oh, yeah. <laughs> makes the audience feel good, and then says, and you know, I found this, this, this uh, altar out there to an unknown god, and it, you know, well, let me tell you about this unknown yeah. god, and and by but but he oh but you know he makes it you know he, he doesn't come in like uh, you know just fly in and say yes. he he gives yes. he gives a little introduction and and that's um I, that's a good I, salesman. I was that I, is had, a good salesman. I had and and I'll, I'll take you a step further. Anytime we go and develop, so we're in development professional. I develop training. You you figure out what is who is your audience. And what level are they on? Because you have mm -hmm. to tailor your message to that audience. Right. You yes. then go yes. analyze the current situation before mm -hmm. you decide how I can attack this quote-unquote problem or approach it. Mm -hmm. I, Paul could be writing a textbook for learning mm -hmm. and development here. Right. Because he, mm -hmm. he, he literally does exactly what you say. He goes and he walks around the city. He looks at all the idols. <laughs> He kind of listens to the... I'm sure my bet is he sits back and just kind of watches the Stoics and the Epicureans go mm -hmm. at each other a little bit, you know? But I, li <laughs> I like what you, where you were going because it seems like once he got oh, the, yeah. some kind of agreement, he really stepped up his game mm -hmm. and proved that he was in their league. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was and the setup. See, yeah, he right. does all he this does, and he setup. does not. Now, in, in, in verse 16, you know, Paul is distressed to see the city's full of idols, mm -hmm. but he does not come down like a you know a prophet of doom. Oh, you Athenians, Center you idolaters! He he comes. You know, you guys seem pretty religious. Right. I mean, he he basically he inverts it completely. He he, he does something mm -hmm. that that we have failed at as a mm -hmm. church, and and I mean mm -hmm. global church. Where we want to, and we got caught up in the 80s, and I will blame the generation I was a part of as a part of this, of wanting to wave our finger in the face of, oh, you sinners, you need to repent and move on. And then we decided we couldn't do it, so we isolated ourselves. That creates a whole nother problem. But he actually goes... He he does the opposite of that. <laughs> yes, he, and he, he engages their No, that's exactly right. Could, there can't be a better way to witness for the Lord. No, and, and most people, mm -hmm. right? You start by cobbling them, and they let their guard mm -hmm. down, right? And if you have the opportunity, this is this is perfect, Robert. Absolutely. And, and well, and, and I'm going to say this: the wor worst, one of the worst sinners anybody can name to the to the world is Adolf Hitler. Has anyone ever watched Adolf Hitler speak? He was masterful <laughs> as a speaker. Right. I mean, now, was he evil? Oh, dear God, yes. <laughs> Beyond the pale evil. But he was a masterful speaker. Everyone has something you can find that's positive about them that you can compliment. Yeah. No matter how bad they are, no matter how evil they are. There is some way that you can use that as an inroad to start. Well, like I've always said about change, and sorry to bring the natural world into this, <laughs> but, uh, but what I have been told, though, and it makes perfect sense to me, if you want to change the course of a river, you do not make a 90-degree turn. You make a curve that may eventually 
be a 90 degree mm-hmm. turn. But you can't get people to flow in your direction by just merely putting up a, no. bar- a barrier. No. And, and I think too many times we have this adversarial. And, and, and men are the most apt to do it because of the society pressure, the fact that we don't really have a whole lot of time, sometimes we don't have a whole lot of empathy, and that, and we get to the point to where you should know better. And, you know, that, that, that way you're criticizing it as opposed with coming down to their level and, and giving a little bit of understanding before you do present your case. You know, and I, I think that's why, you know, people that are trained as salesmen um, have a little bit more empathy for people because they, they, ha- they have to get them on their side in order to start the, um, the chain of persuasion. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to find that. They have to go to that common ground, whereas typically with men just showing leadership when you're in charge, you don't necessarily have to show any common ground. The common ground is we want yeah. to get things done right, and so this is what we're going to do. Right, but gathering consensus is a way as a leader to move forward with it. Right. You right. know, that that's when you can be true leaders is when you can gather the consensus and do it. And and Paul does this in this. Mm-hmm. He he builds the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I kind of like the, mm-hmm. y'all are really religious. Y'all have great paintings. Look at that gorgeous Athenian temple over there. You know, your Acropolis is something, the Pantheon is something to behold. But over here in this corner, I saw this idol, too. I mean, and, and you can kind of hear him doing this this way. I, 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 get the, I get the feeling that Paul really enjoyed this. Oh, oh, oh yes. Course, I mean, yeah, well, well, Paul's personality says he probably You did, know, right? I, I, I hate to say, I don't want to bash the Thessalonians, or, but I think Paul was a really smart guy. I'm sure he loved Meeting Being at intellectual this level. Equal. Yeah, I mean, this. I'm sure. I'm sure this was as you know. This, the next step was Rome, but you know, this. I'm. I'm sure he was relishing getting there and doing Athens. Oh yeah, no, no doubt, no right. doubt, because he he was he was one of the better educated Jews of his time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he he really was. I mean, sat under Gamal. He was a Roman citizen, so he had exposure to the Greek way of thinking and the Greek philosophy. Plus, he was steeped in the Jewish scriptures. But he grew up, and this is the thing, he grew up, he was from Tarsus. I mean, he obviously yeah. was trained in Jerusalem. But he was not, he was not from Jerusalem. Right. He lived his, at youth. least his boyhood and early youth among Gentiles. Right. Um, so, so his, he... He was not. I mean, the the the, the Jews in Israel were a, were a, were a, literally a, a cloistered group. A, oh, very a group, much so. Um, a group. Everyone was like them, and and everybody knew them, and, and and their culture in that in that little pocket of Judea, despite the Roman um, uh, occupation, was was a total Jewish majority culture. You you uh, they were they were isolationists. Yes, and and everywhere else. So. Um, and and this is. Obviously, I think why Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, he really had the background to do it. I think I've mentioned this probably in the past when we started this, but uh, 
but we, we see this. This is what the, the, the church needs to understand that it, ha- it can't, and I know there are people advocating this, it cannot separate from the culture if it wants to bring in more people. Oh, well, yeah, we, we, can, we can really talk um, about that because mm-hmm. that, that, that's the back end of what I mentioned, mm-hmm. that we went through this period of time where we were in everyone's face. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you sinners, repent. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. We have to turn it around. We're going to do all that. And then when we failed, what did we do? We cloistered. We set up Christian schools that you had to send your children to. I understand why people send their kids to private school for a better education. That mm-hmm. That's a separate conversation than I don't want my kid exposed to anything in the public school, so I'm going to put them in a private school, a private Christian mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. We only do business with Christian people. All of our churches, our big mega churches, what did they do? They built Christian life centers. What was a Christian life center? We don't have one in our church, by the way. But you had your weight room. Like a gym. community center. Community you, center well, to be with like-minded people. Right. It was lifetime fitness, a basketball court for your teenagers, a game room, a coffee shop, and you would spend all your time there. And, oh, by the way, what do we do? Oh, we're going to go to our only Christian concerts. And I like Christian music. I like some secular music, too. We would only go to Christian events. We would only watch Christian TV. That was the whole premise of the 700 Club and CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. You know, it had to be a Christian. We would only see Christian movies. And as Steve said, we separate ourselves out from the culture, and we violate a tenet of Scripture when we do that. We are called to be two things in this world. We are called to be salt, and we are called to be light. Okay. Um, I, 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 to a certain, again, uh, certain extent, I agree, but then also to a certain, uh, certain degree, I disagree. Okay. Uh, and and the, the way I, I feel is this. The... Uh, Take Christian broadcasting, for example. Yes. You have many different pastors and styles available, and they reach every different level of person, going from starting with the prosperity gospel, the motivational speakers, Mm -hmm. Christian Mm -hmm. motivational speakers, which I would put Joel Osteen in, Mm -hmm. to the people that are like meat and fire and brimstone uh, pastors such as John Hagee right, uh, right. type of people. So you have available to you at every different level. I don't have a problem with them being there. Right. My problem is when that's all we do. In the end, not only do we not only do that, we only You're go to churches. With, with we we right. totally disassociate ourselves from the culture. Completely, we we basically try to become the Amish, where we have separated Whoa, ourselves. Easy killer. <laughs> well, well, let me let me say, let me say what I what I'm what right. And this is I'll, I'll take this back to a men's and fathers thing. Okay. I'm okay. Pretty, I'm I'm a fairly moderate to liberal when it comes to <laughs> comes to things. Um, that. That there, you can find you can find the sacred in the in the secular, 
library. Absolutely. And and you have to, and, and in order to understand your faith and to strengthen your faith, you do have to test it out there. And and my job my job as a father is to not build a wall around my son so he gets exposed to nothing other than what I deem as Christian. And what I deem what I may deem as Christian will probably differ from what Robert or you or anybody there. So already it's clouded a bit with my own humanity. Right. Oh well I there let, let me put it this way. There are I'll give a, I'll give a nice example. There are Christians who say I will I will not expose my child to anything but a G-rated movie. But the Golden Compass was a G-rated movie. The Golden Compass is a is a oh, polemic on atheism. Yes. 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 <laughs> and how many excellent how many, how many Christian parents say, "Oh, I'm not going to expose my kid to Harry Potter where a kid dies and is resurrected in order to defeat evil. <laughs> uh-huh. But I'll send him out to see the polemic on atheism. on atheism. I digress, but, but that, let me get back a, to what no, I'm that's saying. A, that's a great, that's a great um, analogy. That's, but to be, so we've got to be careful of that, and, and, and you've got to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, and you can't, and I, and I think ultimately you have to little by little expose them to the culture, talk about it, um, inoculate them, maybe that's maybe the better well, thing. And, and, and um, the the book keep keep going, and, but, and we'll but, come to but you know you 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 or else you get to the point where at a certain point you're going to let go, either in in high school or in college, and mm-hmm. if you haven't you haven't prepared your son or daughter for uh, the for the plethora world. of ideas they're going to run into, and how to defend their own faith in it, and how to how to basically or and protect and nurture their own faith in it, that's going to be a problem, and and so it's 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 uh, and and that's we can talk about that more, but I'm I'm digressing a bit, but yeah, right. no no uh, no, um, well and, and and the book, and once again we're in Connect three hundred and sixty Lifeway Baptist Publications, mm-hmm. and it talks about that that. Churches have, or Christians have, four ways of dealing with the 21st century culture. We can choose to immerse in it, which we allow all questionable material and behavior without filtering, analyzing, correcting, or expressing judgment. In other words, everything come in, we're just going to be silent on it. We can inoculate, which is what you're saying, you know, within proper ages and context, allow interaction, small doses of questionable material and behavior, so that we can start discernment and discussions. And you have to do that age-based and, you know, the other parts. We can choose an incarnation where we confront the cultural toxins through biblical instructions while sensing others' pain and stepping into tragedy with them. And the problem is, when I've seen that occur, we forget about the second part. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not good on the empathy piece of it. You know, we're really good at confronting, but we ignore the empathy piece. Mm-hmm. Or we isolate, separate from a subculture that parallels secular society, which is what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And that those are the four, and that all four of them ha- may have a place in time, and you have to decide what's right for you as you approach it. The one I had the biggest issue from my experience has been the isolation. For a couple of reasons. A, what you've talked mm-hmm. about is, if you raise your children isolated, they don't have a way to approach. You know, 
Well, my kid never saw a Harry Potter. Next thing you know, they're in X-rated movies when they're in college. Because, oh my God, I can do this now. Um, or, and the other, the other problem I have with the isolation is, there is biblical command that we have to be salt and light. If I stay, if I'm salt and I stay in the salt shaker, I don't do the food any good. Salt does two things. Salt seasons and flavors, which is what most of us are more familiar with. But the real use for salt in the ancient world, there was no refrigeration. You would salt your meat to preserve it. And as Christians, our salt preserves the culture and keeps it from going all the way down the hedonistic path. Well, I mean, I, I can I can say this, uh, knowing each of you men the way I know you, I can I can feel uh, fairly certain that I say each of us probably does a little bit of each of these. Oh, I agree. And it's not a question of which one you do; it's what percentage, right? Do you do right? And, and, and uh, that was do, what you, you know. Do I, I am perfectly good with isolating your preteen, maybe even up to sixteen, from R-rated movies. Now there are some certain R-rated movies. Right. You know, Passion of the Christ. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see uh, Twelve Strong mm-hmm. on it's Monday. PG thirteen. No, it's R. It's R. It oh. is an R. <laughs> okay. I think there is gratuitous R, and there's R war movies in particular. It's rated R. Why? Because that's how war is. <laughs> that's right. People die, and it's, people die, it's and, and soldiers use bad language in the middle of bad things happening. Right. And and you're absolutely correct. When my children were young, mm-hmm. uh, I did more isolation. But now mm-hmm. that they're older, I trust them, I allow them, and so as far as I'm concerned, they have the tools that I could teach them to the best of my ability, and uh, I'm allowing them to immerse themselves into the culture, and then they can decide what they want to do, whether they want to inoculate you know, isolate from it or whatever. It that that is up to them, right? But right. I mean, at this point in time, I trust their judgment, and I think that's part of being well, and that, a leader. That, and, well, it's part of being Christian a leader. leader. And it's also part of being a Christian parent. Is is helping your children develop their skill set so they can make right decisions, and and it's it's right decisions about their faith, but it's also right decisions. Pardon me, based on their ethics and moral choices that they have learned and seen you model Mm -hmm. and behave so that they can come out and make good decisions. For example, both of my children have impeccable work ethics. They saw that modeled from their mother and I. That's not necessarily a spiritual piece, but that is a moral ethical thing. You know, you get paid for a day's work, you put a day's wage in. You know, a day's wage, you put a day's work in. You know, that's an ethical issue to me. Um, and we've talked about spirituality and work in the past. And our pastor, by the way, on Facebook Live, Sugarland Baptist Church, go view our pastor's sermon series on Make It Made for Mondays. It is, it, it really makes me want to reteach life at work again. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, but raising your children, and as you said, and as we've talked about, using all four of these within percentages, 
I think the problem we have as Christians is we tend to end up in the incarnation or the isolation and the we do it the incarnation area where we're really we're really good at confronting. We just tend to not be empath empathic about it. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, but here's the what I want right. to challenge yeah, Steve, we can and, Steve and Mike <laughs> on is this. We're different as individuals yes. than we are as a community of believers. My, my individual style is much different than this church's style, even though I'm a member of this church. It's it, the, the percentages well, are much well, different. You're, I think your church is to be a model. And then you read the scripture and set it yourself, what you're saying, and then you apply it as it fits your character and personality and your mm -hmm. family, and you raise your family. Um, it, it's, it's a model. Like we're parents as models. We are mm -hmm. models. Our children are not going to do everything we do exactly like we do. And you trust that you've been the model to them so that they can choose what they want to take from you. And you pray that they grow and they become better Christians than we are. Right? Mm -hmm. But yes, yes, but let me, I'm going to, because you're talking about individual. I'll, I'll plug your film, Beer and Seed, on Amazon Prime. That is, there are there there are Christians who would be offended by that. Uh, no question about <laughs> it. Absolutely. Who'd go? Who'd go? What? What were you thinking of, Bill, when you did that? And and it's and it's a I'd say it's a PG thirteen film, but there's there's uh, I'll, I'll go say, but there's impl there's implied premarital sex in it. There's some violence. Absolutely. And, and the, there's the, drug use. There's drug use. Actually, Absolutely. yes. Um, and so, so um, where, well, let me, where does that? But but you're expressing yourself as an artist. Yes. And where where does that where does that fit in this in this in this four stage kind of this four thing? And I'm I'm not doing I'm I'm curious because I'm also a creative person, not as creative you as you are, but I'm out there in the world in the secular world with my material, my policy stuff, which doesn't always align with. What the church is, I am. I am. I think you know. I'm basically in favor of marijuana legalization. Um, I, I have issues with church and state separation um, that other Christians apparently do not. So, so let me leave it at that. Where, where, where are your, where, where does your work fit in with the with with the Christian mindset? Very quickly. Mm -hmm. I feel... And where do we see this movie again before you go... It's on Amazon Prime. It's free on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's a stoner film called Classic 6.7 IMDB, which is huge for an indie film. This is what I feel. I am a complex... As a man, I am a complex being. Okay? My faith is the pillars that I've built my life with. My artistic and creativity is how I color that picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that is honestly mm -hmm. how I, and, and believe me, I've had people ask me to justify that too because I've done comedy and I, as a matter of fact, I've got a sketch thing coming mm -hmm. up. Um, I just finished a pilot for Slacktivist. Mm -hmm. That's that's coming on. That I, you, you know what I'm saying, and all that kind of stuff is, is kind of out there that you wouldn't expect. 
But you can also see, and I had a, a, an artist kind of criticize me, said, you know, Bill, there seems to be an undercurrent of faith in everything you do compared to the other people. So, uh, so just like I have this creative bent that kind of comes into my faith, my faith sneaks in to my creativity too. And that's why I really feel that the description is the faith is the pillars, but the artistic and the creativity is the colors. It's where you ground it. It's right. where you ground it. And, and it, it actually mentions, and I'm just going to read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, which is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. I didn't read anywhere in there that says you can't express yourself creatively. I'm hearing that your foundation, the number one thing you look at is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You love the Lord with all your heart, and you teach your children that diligently. And the, the thing about it is, and this is, uh, I don't know if this is, I suspect this isn't biblical, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. I've been an artist as a writer, a DJ, a public speaker, basically my whole life. I haven't necessarily been very successful with it. I've written a couple of books. I, of course, have that movie out. I have an, more scripts done. I have another pilot coming on. But at this point in my life, it is easier for me to continue continue unsuccessfully than it would be to stop. If that makes any I sense. Understand that. Well, that's that, in your heart. It's easy. It's easy to easier to continue than it would be to stop. It's me as an individual, and I think that's what the Lord wants each of us mm -hmm. to be. Well, and, and to be and our individual the, self. How we engage all four of them with "Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one." Write these words on your heart. And teach them diligently to your children. Balance with Matthew 19, 28, chapter 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always into the end of the age. How we balance our lives and how we balance our culture engagement with those two paradoxes, because those two together wrapped up are the gospel. Right. Now, as it we get ready to come. close, that that is probably a good way to close. I just want to go around the room and just have each of you summarize the challenges that you have in changing the message with the groups that you're at. And start with our policy writer, Gambler. <laughs> yeah, I, I got in your case. We didn't talk about like it. Right. <laughs> hey, that's all right. But, but I, I'll, I'll say this, and, and, and this is really, uh, it's, uh, we had a good session today. Um, 
uh, America is changing, and uh, without without making any judgments, I know there's a there's a especially older portions of our population are having a lot of trouble dealing with it. A lot older people in the church, but um, we look around Sugarland, our own community here, and, and and if you're not from Houston, if you ever came to Sugarland, you would be surprised at how diverse it is. Uh, we have. Uh, the probably, most diverse <laughs> yeah, we, county we, yeah, in, in we the nation. We physically are the most, most diverse, diverse county in the nation. And and so it is not the Houston of even 20 years ago. Right. Um, uh, right. And so, uh, and that is an example of, or, or maybe a microcosm of what, what's ahead for uh, the church and for Christians. We're going to be like Athens in that there'll be a lot of religions going on. Um, and we'll be in a marketplace. To, to, to not, not to use a word that might, might uh, I don't mean to offend, but we'll, we, we are going to be, have to be out there and exhibit our faith in this Arapagus. <laughs> and, right. and, and Paul did not shy away from the marketplace in Athens and, uh, and the Arapagus. He did not look at it and say, oh gee, they're far gone. I, I'm going to just go back to the synagogue in Thessalonica where, where with my buddies and, 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 and talk, about, uh, talk about the resurrected Jesus there. No, he, he waded in and courageously. Uh, so that's, that's really what we're in for now. Not all of us have the gifts that Paul did, but we can witness, we can represent, to use a 21st century term, uh, and that's our job, to, to be out there in the culture uh, to, uh, to basically engage it and uh, witness in either, either through those who are gifted through, through speaking or friendship, but through, choose, a, choose one of your, one of your uh, spiritual gifts and apply it and, and God bless you. Right, right. And modify it, right, Mike? <laughs> uh, I think so. I think so. Uh, it, this reminds me, from everyone sharing, uh, it, it reminds me of how our missionaries go into countries that do not know the gospel, and they learn to know the people before they witness. They, they, they learn their culture. They, they live with them, literally. And they learn about them and look for the ways that they can minister to them they don't just go in and say you're going to hell, like you said. You're right. And 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 we, and uh, I started off in a Pentecostal church, and the first thing I wanted to do when when I met people, when I started telling my life, Lord, you need you're you're sinning. But no, that's not the way Jesus did it either. He walked up to the people and he ministered to them. He loved them. He went in. He he drew their guard down, just like you guys have said. So so obviously and. Uh, and he reached their hearts. And, uh, and so that's what I'm taking away from this again. Uh, Paul went in there and disarmed them. And uh, me personally, if I will look, I can, I'm sure I can find a way to, 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 to talk to people and learn their uh, uh, method that would disarm them. I mean, a, a part of their character that would compliment them or, or disarm them. So me personally, I'm looking specifically how it will affect my life if I'll use it and take it up. And right. you guys have presented a great way. And Professor? I, I always struggle with the isolation part. Because I was, I was very much in that mode for a very long time. And there are times I, boy, there, there are times I, I, 
I am not good at the inoculation or incarnation. I am really good at the isolation and really good at the immersion. And trying to find the balance of it is where I struggle. It really is. And, and I'll talk a lot. And Y'all have heard me multiple times talk about the salt and light. Because I, I am a firm believer that we have to be salt and light. But boy, there are times I want to isolate. You know, that, that's really where I struggle. And so my, I guess my charge is, as I look at it, is is find a way to be Jesus with the woman at the well. Where he really engages her as a human being, but he is totally uncompromising when it comes to the message. And, and I think that's probably looking at Christ versus Paul, that is probably the best moment of confronting the message in the culture without compromising from Christ's life is that he, he literally confronts, he literally engages a woman who he's not supposed to talk to, by the way, <coughs> loves her, treats her as a human being, but yet in a loving way confronts her. And I, th- I think that's where we struggle as a church right now. We, we really do. We can't figure out how to do it in this new world that's, I mean, Bill, you've been here as long as I have in Triboland at this church. I remember this church used to be average age 35 <coughs> and lily white. Right. right. You remember that, Bill? There wasn't a gray head in there our church. There wasn't. There, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even a gray head in our church. Now, some of that has occurred naturally because it's gotten older <laughs> as time has gone by. Right. But we've also attracted a larger, older audience and at the same time, we have African Americans, we have Asians, we have Hispanics, um, Chinese, Asians, yeah, you know, um, I've seen Africans. We we have everything in our church now, and that does reflect back on that diversity that Steve referred to. And and you're right for for those of us who grew up in a literally white America, and that was our way without another culture. That's a challenge for us. No, no, I've been very fortunate and got over it. But as Christians, it's not just that. It's not that diversity. It's the diversity of different beliefs, different faiths. And it used to be the different faiths was there were the Baptists and there were the Catholics. And oh, by the way, we don't talk about the Church of Christ because they think they're the only ones going to heaven. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and now it's the Church of Christ, the Episcopalians, the Baptists, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Buddhists. The, I was driving down a county road in Pearland coming home last weekend, and did y'all know on County Road 518 turns from Dixie Farm Road going towards um, Highway 35 from Pearland, there is a huge Buddhist temple with a big Buddha. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, it, there's a Hare Krishna uh, that's up temple in that's up in Well, yeah. not only one in no, Stafford, no, but in the Heights uh, Oh, did not know that. Too. But yeah. yeah, I mean, which right. 20 years ago, Wow! <laughs> right. You right. know, I know where a couple of mosques are. Yeah, yeah and, and, and very good point, fellas, and this has been a great discussion, and I think the, my only uh, contribution as we uh, wind up this discussion is this. Uh, don't worry about not being comfortable because I don't think people are very comfortable in speaking of their own religion. But just to understand this, everybody has humanity, 
And when there's people of faith, just like in this lesson, there's curiosity. They're going to want to know. And you're going to have the opportunity to express your own. <coughs> so this has been Man Up, podcast number 40. You can find us on uh, Facebook under Man-Up. If you have a question, you can post it. Uh, we have all of, uh, all 40 of these are on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. And so on behalf of the Man Up group, my name is Bill Cox. I invite each and every one of you to get in a Bible-based church. Find a men's only adult Bible fellowship class, and if there isn't one, start one. Thanks so much. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.